Hey everyone, Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Hey there, and welcome to Short Stuff. This is Josh, there's Chuck, there's Jerry. We're going to talk about death. It's a natural, super hip thing to do. (laughs) And there's Dave Ruse in a bottle. With a cork on top, screaming, let me out. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That was weird, but I loved it. Yeah, Dave Dave helps us out with the longer form stuff, but this is one of the old, I don't know how old, but one of the old How Stuff Works shorties that he put together. Yeah, I don't think it was old. I think it was new. Is it new? One of the new How Stuff Works. I just mean the old website. Oh, gotcha. Like ye old. You got to say it like that. With an E. (laughs) The old with an E? Yeah. Sure. Ye oldie. We sure wasted a lot of time. Good. So, Chuck, we're talking obituaries, like yes, I said. That's right. Do you read these? Um, Probably no. not because you're under 80. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I know, but people do love them. Yeah, it's interesting. I read that um, on, oh, I think Beyond the Dash is what it was called, which is great because, you know, the dash between the, the date of birth and the date of death. Mm-hmm. There's a dash between them. Yeah. There's a website, an obituary website called Beyond the da- the Dash. And they said that an obituary is like your final gift to a loved one. You're celebrating their life for all to see and read, or if you're one of those weirdos who reads obituaries, for those people to read and see. Yeah. I think uh, I think it's long been like elderly people read obituaries. The joke is sort of, that, you know, because they're not in them. <laughs> so, Man, when, just... when ageism becomes a real thing in like 10 years, this, this episode is oh, not going to have aged it's well. It's already a thing. A real thing. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they have always, well, they've, they've changed a lot over the years, um, which is sort of interesting. And this, uh, one of the, I mean, we're going to plug the genealogy website? Uh, no. Okay. There's a genealogy website, though, that has, apparently you can learn a lot about your genealogy just from researching obituaries because well, they list so many people right, in the family. It's like a, a family tree there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then even obituary websites and genealogy websites, they've unleashed AI on these things. And the bots have really had a field day coming up with obits dating back as far as I can see to the 1750s, at least in the United States. Yeah. This one genealogy website has uh, 262 million Published obituaries. That's a uh, lot. Online. Yeah. See if you can figure out which one it is. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but um, so the, the bots have kind of, they've, they've said, okay, well, from what we've been able to ascertain, at least from digitized newspaper records, mm-hmm. going back to the mid-18th century, obits weren't a very big thing. Unless you were famous. Very, yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. The deaths of famous, well-known successful people have always intrigued us. Yeah, and I, I don't think you might might have told me that obituaries were pre-written for a lot of people. Yeah, the, like the New York Times obits, 
You know, like the real deal ones? Yeah. Um, I think you told me that a couple of years ago or something, and uh-huh. I was just astonished. I definitely knew that. Yeah. It sounds like something I would tell you. Probably. And like, you know, it's not made up Over even. our afternoon tea. <laughs> right. But they'll they'll just have like a, a an obit going on somebody, and then when they finally die, they can get it out the door really quick just by kind of summing up at the end. You just fill in that last uh, be on the dash. Yep. And maybe if they did anything noteworthy in the last like eight months of their life. Right. And if they didn't. <laughs> what I wonder is do they uh, – is it just for old people or people that they think, like, are risky? Like, oh, I wonder. You know? We'll have to ask Jeremy Piven. I don't get that reference. He played an obituary writer in one some really? movie, yeah. Was he an obituary writer who was a big jerk? Uh, probably. Because <laughs> he kind of specializes in those roles. He does. He does. <laughs> Interesting. So, uh, mid-19th century, uh, you started seeing this change from just famous types mm-hmm. to regular old people yeah. getting their local paper usually to publish sort of stripped down obituaries. Yeah, it was called a death notice. It was basically like super stripped down. Yeah, this person died and that's that. There's still death notices around today and apparently if you're into obituaries so much that um, you will publish a death notice, what you're saying is it's basically like a hold the date for more information about the funeral. Right. They still do those today. But that was what obituaries were originally. It was just, you know, the person's name, they died, maybe who they were survived by, maybe a little bit about the funeral. But the reason obits were so thin originally was because back in the day, before the linotype was invented in, I think, the 1880s, when you put a newspaper together, every page, every letter letter. of every word of every sentence, of every line, of every page of every in the graph, newspaper. To yes. use some lingo. Thank you. Um, was set by hand. Yeah. By hand. Yeah. Every letter. So that's why certain obituaries just had a name and died. Right, exactly. <laughs> With a date, maybe. And you were you felt lucky to have even been mentioned. Probably so. Yep. But then Linotype came along and they said, hey, we've got a lot. It's a lot easier to make a newspaper now. Let's make more newspaper every day. Yeah. So... Maybe we'll take a quick break. Oh, boy. And we'll come back and talk a little bit more about obituaries. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch. 
Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one-time fee, or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. If you want to know, then you're in luck. Just listen up to Josh and Chuck. Stuff you should know. Hey, Chuck, let's talk a little bit more about <laughs> obituaries. Yeah, I mean, certain things like the Civil War obviously would ramp up the death notices, uh, like tens of thousands of these going out every year. Yeah, and this was even before the, the linotype, too. Right, I think because they were soldiers, they felt like they needed to do, do so, even yeah. though it was a pain. Plus, also, there seems to have been a real increase in fascination with death among the Victorians. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's when they were taking bereavement photography. Oh, and, that's true. You know, they were holding funerals at home, but they became much more elaborate over time. Yeah. Well, what really changed was newspapers discovered that they could charge <laughs> people money to get a loved one listed in an obituary column, and they could make some dough on it. Yeah. And that, then it became a real thing. They made fat stacks, as, as the, <laughs> everyone called it in 2011. These stats are pretty amazing, though. Uh, from 1900... What, 400,000 obituaries in 1900, and then, uh, and that's from 2 million total newspapers. By the 1930s, there were 1.25 million obituaries mm -hmm. and about 2.5 million total pages. Yeah, so obituaries themselves in number exploded. Because they were making dough. Right, but they also, the amount of uh, the newspaper that they represented exploded too, and from a fifth to a half right. of all pages were obituaries. Really? Yeah, that's that's. I mean, well, my I guess math. So. Yeah, it's usually wrong, but I'll bet it's close. One point two five million obituaries in two and a half million pages. That's half, right down the middle. Right down the middle. <laughs> yeah, uh, and this is where in the thirties and forties is where you start to see that sort of classic obituary notice that we know today. Uh -huh. Not just died, sorry, uh, but stuff. It's it's, it's a four part thing: the death announcement, a little bit of a bio, who they're survived by and then a little bit of the funeral uh, info. Right. And it didn't have to be like one paragraph each, but I mean like it was in those segments. Sometimes the the middle bio part was extensive depending on what they'd done. Yeah. You know, sometimes the survive by was bigger than other times. Like that 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 sweet story about that veteran who died in Florida I think a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. And he outlived all of his family. Oh, wow. And somebody got word of it, and it became like a viral thing. And ten, I think like 10,000 people showed up for his funeral really? to make sure that he was seen off, that he wasn't forgotten. What does your obituary say? I assume you have pre-written it. First of all, <laughs> it just says died. Died. Uh, yeah, I've pre-written it. I'm on draft like six or seven. Yeah, I, I got you. No, I have not. Have you? No. Done yours? Of course not. I haven't even thought of mine. I'm still L-I-V-I-N. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. So this is where the genealogy comes in, in that 
Now you've got spouse's name, children's names, Mm -hmm. married names of daughters, grandchildren. I mean, you might see cousins if it's noteworthy. Or even if it's not, if that's what the family wants in there. Right, right. Because so the obituary, as Ruse puts it, is a quasi-legal document. Yeah. A lot of people think you have to, by law, publish this in the newspaper. You don't. You do, by law, have to file for a death certificate like we talked about in the home burials short stuff. But you don't have to publish it in obituary. But it still definitely lets the community know, hey, this person died. If you happen to... um, if this person happened to owe you money, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, here's your chance to come, right. you know, make your claim against the estate or whatever. Yeah. So it does serve some sort of function, but it's not like a law that you have to publish an obituary. But no. but it is up to the funeral home typically to publish the obituary or contact the local newspaper. Right. But it, the family gives all the info that they want included in it, and right. they're the ones who are footing the bill. I think it's usually charged by line. So if you yeah. want to include cousins, sure, but, you know, it's going to cost you an extra 80 cents. Right. Is second cousin Eddie really worth it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then things changed again really after 9-11, uh, apparently when the obituaries became much more personal and these great stories started coming out about the people who died on 9-11. Right. And I think that sort of, at least according to uh, the people that they quote in this article, said that that kind of changed things all over the country. Yeah. And people started being a lot more honest. Yes. And maybe funny and making them real memorials, but also, like I said, being honest and not brushing things under the rug. Um, Like if someone suffered from depression and died by suicide, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't just put a vague, you know, sort of— Died suddenly at home. Yeah, exactly. That's what they used to say. Yeah, and I'm sure some of them still do, but— I think there's a trend toward honesty and openness now more so. For sure. And and apparently, according to Susan Soper, who's an obituary expert as far as Dave Ruse is concerned, sure. she said that that was probably what turned the tide, that, that September 11th narrative obituary thing. Did you read about that last thing about the saying that the deceased will not be missed in some cases? Whose was that? Was that just one? As far as I could tell, it was just one. But uh, a few years back, there was a woman um, whose children, whose adult children, um, said that she, the world would be better off without her, or the world <laughs> is now better off without her, and she will not be missed. Wow. She she really jilted them as yeah. children, and they had never forgiven her for it. And it caused a huge outcry and backlash. Really? And actually, everyone sympathized with the dead woman. Not the kids. And not the kids. The kids were taken as like little monsters who, could not, who couldn't forgive their mom. But hmm. um, it was a huge deal, and it really kind of said a lot about how we view the deceased and their last, you know, send-off. Right. You know, just how, how many warts should you show? Right. And like, even if that was—I don't know. I'm not going to take a side, but even if that's the case— is it is it gratifying to give mom a finger on the way out the door? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. You'd have to ask those kids. Not I'm a sure finger, the finger. They were very. Um, they were probably very surprised at the international <laughs> backlash that it, it garnered. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's it for obituaries, Chuck. Yes. Uh, that means short stuff is out. Stuff you should know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.